0: hi and welcome to yes please your go-to podcast for all things sexuality pleasure and orgasms i've named this podcast yes please because that's how i want you to feel about all things sex pleasure and orgasms yes please and more I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality, and I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however, it's about so much more personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I'm a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies, and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me. Expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you, and even though I'm an expert on this topic, I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion, not a must, so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay, hi and welcome again. I'm delighted that you're here. And now let's dive into today's topic. Yeah, you are in for a treat today. If this is your first time listening to the pod, You hit the jackpot with this episode, and if you are a uh, regular, then welcome back. I had such a good time speaking with Lisa, and this is what she says about herself. If you had told Lisa having children would leave her with no sex drive and imminent divorce, she wouldn't have believed you. If you had told her that writing a book with naughty stories would have saved her, she also wouldn't have believed you. But never say never. (laughs) (laughs) So Lisa completely restructured her lifestyle and redefined her sexuality after becoming a mother of two and after burying and like abandoning her sexuality and experiencing zero interest in sex and feeling like, and she says like she literally faced divorce because her partner was like, I can't take this anymore. And so she had to do something about it, and she tells us the story of how she went about it, what the insights were, what the work involved, and how she resuscitated her brain and thus her pussy and sexuality so that she would want to have sex and have sex and experience herself as an erotic human being and woman again. It's a fascinating story, but it's not unique. This is so common. I have experienced it myself. I see it in my clients and students in my courses, and that's why I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation, because there's so much wisdom, there's so much encouragement, and just follow follow the same steps that Lisa did and took, and you'll experience more desire for sex, more eroticism, And a reawakening of sex and desires. Also, um, what she did, she decided to write short erotic stories. And now that is what makes her thrive and separates the woman from the mom. So obviously, you don't have to start writing erotic stories and publish your own book like Lisa. But you also need to separate the woman from the mom. And realize that you have a sexual identity, you have a motherhood identity, and you need to be able to, in a flexible and fluid way, move back and forth between the two. If you want to have great sex. Also, my amazing program, Slut Academy, is open for enrollment and we do this Work in the program. There's actually a module about fantasies and desires and how to turn on your brain. But the whole program is designed to help you craft your identity of, you know, sexual woman, slut, define what a slut is and reclaim that and really feel like I can be both and I can, or like I can be all of these things. And the women in the first round of Slut Academy had an incredibly powerful and transformative experience. A lot of mothers who uh, explored and did this work specifically, but also, of course, women of other life situations and women without children. Uh, so it's for any woman who wants to feel fucking amazing in the bedroom and outside the bedroom. And it's currently open for enrollment and it won't probably run again until next year in the spring. So, get in now while you can or wait till next time or or don't join. You don't have to, obviously. <laughs> so, but for now, enjoy this conversation. If you're curious about Slot Academy, click the link below. Check out Lisa's work. She has an amazing Instagram account called Please Pinch Me Hard. She has a website, she has a book, but most of all, drink in these words in this conversation and learn a lot from what these two women have to say and that's me and Lisa enjoy hi Lisa welcome to the podcast
1: hello thank you so much for having me
0: I'm excited to be here, and I, uh, I appreciate you reaching out, and I know you've also talked with Megan on her podcast. Megan, who's done my Shameless program, who recorded a, uh, a podcast conversation about her experience in Shameless. Um, so we've been in each other's like, space for a while, and I've seen you pop up on Instagram, and you've been sharing my work a little bit, which I'm obviously so grateful for, and then you reached out and said, hey, I think we should chat. I think we have a lot to talk about. I was immediately intrigued, but uh, slightly um, too busy. So it took a while before I go back to you. But here we are. I'm excited. So tell me a little bit about yourself, about what you do. Uh, what made you like reach out to me? Why we're in the same realm?
1: And uh, we'll just take you from there. Thank you for having me. First of all, I reached out because you have to be one of the people on the top of my list that has inspired me to rediscover my sexuality since becoming a (laughs) mum whilst I am not a coach I'm not a therapist I don't aspire to be um, that's not where I am I am or I see myself as somebody who can direct people who have gone through or perhaps are going through similar things as me in the right direction hence you <laughs> uh, yeah. i find it so valuable all the work that's being done it's a sexual revolution again i feel like we've we've gone a couple of years and we're coming round to it again and my backstory is: I was an incredibly kinky bunny. <laughs> I've been with my husband for fifteen years. Then we had kids, and uh, it was just a catastrophe. Mm. And for me, finding a safe space, finding somewhere where I could reach out—I had no idea I'd had a horrendous sex education. I—I'd uh, never really considered my sexuality it just kind of happened it, I just went with it and I was a notorious people pleaser and when I became a mum and everything just sort of fell apart like physically mentally emotionally etc I didn't know where to reach out to and uh, you were at the forefront of those people um, and it sounds complete fangirly and I completely intended to be because there is so much to learn from you um I hope this whole podcast isn't me just picking you up and although maybe it should be no but so for me uh that was so important finding people that i could talk to and really getting to the nitty-gritty of who i am what i want where i want to go and who i want to be and in the process i started writing erotica and it's been so encouraging it's been so Amazing exploring this facet of sexuality and fantasies. And I would love to talk to you about the whole idea of having fantasies within a relationship. And as a mother, how to even make space in our brains for fantasies when we're just thinking about a million other things. And so I published a book last year. It was a bit of a snowball effect in the middle of COVID. I published a book with short erotic stories because I'm a mum and I don't have time to read books properly most of the time. And it really helped me. It really helped me. And I thereby hope to also help others. That's my story in a nutshell. I can't say I'm cured of my lustlessness, uh, because I feel like it's a constant evolution and journey. But my gratitude for everything going on right now is just immense and I find these conversations so important and also the other side uh you're the you're the expert in this conversation and I feel though that mothers aren't shown enough mothers with these problems mm. uh, and it's such a taboo still, and I, a long time, debated whether to show my face. I was anonymous at first, and then I just realized I have to show myself. I have to give a face to this woman who has struggled
0: or does struggle.
1: So here I am.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so, so, so much. And I'm I'm delighted I get to see your face and that you are not hiding behind some pseudonym. Is that what you call it in English? That's right, yeah. Yeah, pseudonym. Um, and that you are, yeah, that you are giving a face to it. Hang on, I'm just going to grab pen and paper. Um, but you mentioned so many beautiful things here. Being a kinky bunny in a long-term relationship, how, um, h- how old are you kids? So how long have you been a partner?
1: Seven and five. We've been together almost 15 years now.
0: So you had like eight years of long-term relationship in your backpack. Yeah, um,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, and then kids arrived. And so we'll definitely talk about your experience in that transformation and that transition and how that was for you and specifically around the sexuality piece because I agree with you. We don't talk about that enough. It's not part of the cultural... Like it's not part of the cultural discussion around what it means to become a mother and how to navigate that. It's something I talk about a lot. And I, you know, for very, very intentional reasons, I say pregnancy and birth are an extension of your sexuality, because if you see them as part of your sexuality, the transition to being a sexual mother isn't as difficult or like you haven't the that experience of severing your sexuality from yourself doesn't it kind of doesn't happen to the same degree and the same intensity. If you believe, uh, and on a mental level, reinforce to yourself over and over and over again, pregnancy is sexual, birth is sexual, there's something sexual about it, it's related to my sexuality. Um, But many, many, many women go experience almost like immediate death of their sexual identity and sexual desire and lust. And some of it is like identity, some of it is mindset, framework, mental framework, belief systems. And some of it is also very biological Uh, shifts in hormones, survival states that we enter into an incredible um, hormonal and physical changes. So I want to hear more about how that experience was for you and kind of like when you, I don't know, did you hit rock bottom, or was it a slow, like slippery slope? And like at a certain point, you were like, "I'm like, what the fuck?" So we'll talk about that. I also want to hear about fantasies. Yes, it's a massive piece, and how um, how important that is. And I mentioned this: fantasies is one of my five key tools for maintaining desire in a long term relationship and in your life. So it's so key. And also, of course, your journey to become a an erotic writer, and how Erotic writing for you was almost like therapy, right? It's very therapeutical to write. I jur- I've journaled my whole life. Uh, it's very therapeutical. Uh, journaling is powerful, and so in a way, I'm guessing like your erotic stories is a kind of like journaling of your fantasies and getting to express that, right? Um, and yeah. live in that realm of fantasy. So, so many yeah. juicy, juicy things. So let's start at the top. <laughs> what, what happened? You had a
1: you had a kid, and what happened? So we had been together seven, eight years and we always knew we wanted to have children and the Time came. It happened really quickly. (laughs) I wasn't much practicing. It was uh, first shot and I was pregnant. And unfortunately, we had a not so great pregnancy. So there was something wrong with our child. Of course, that put a massive damper on things. Uh, We had quite a few hospital visits. And we'd been so good as a couple. We had great communication. And all of a sudden, everything fell apart just because this new little being was there. And unfortunately, I wasn't a very sexual pregnant woman. And nobody warned me that it was important. I just figured, yeah, you know, I'll get pregnant, I'll have a baby, and then we'll just go back to the way things were. I'll just be who (laughs) I was before. It's easy, right? right?" (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, I really wish that somebody had told me all this before. And then we said, I was breastfeeding lots and I had zero mood. But what was even more irritating was that I also completely neglected intimacy. So it's not that we weren't having sex, we weren't really having any connection. And whilst, of course, I can blame others and say, I wish someone had told me, we didn't look for it ourselves and we're educated people. So I can't imagine what other people. Do And so this continued. And then we said, let's have another before, you know, the first is too old. We wanted to have them close together. So we had another and it kind of all started again, like the having a second one, the steps we had to take (laughs) were great we suddenly realized, oh my God, this is really fun. Let's let's do more of this. And then boom, pregnant and morning sickness, the entire pregnancy. And so yet again, my body said, no, I'm, I was breastfeeding my first still, it was all too much. And then the second was born and I said, right, but now, now is the time where we as a couple, we will be established again and our sexuality and everything. And my husband, I always say that the men's side of it is so often forgotten. Oh 100%. As women talk about it and I'm very vocal about it but the men either wither away in perpetual patience or they leave. You know there's there's so often such a gap and I'm lucky enough that my husband and I had enough communication to indulge whatever I was going through. And then it just gradually got worse and worse and It was at the point where we were sat at Christmas and he said, You know what? We're like glorified housemates. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? And I realized, okay, it's not going to just magically reappear. I'm not going to wake up one morning and say, Wow, I want to eat him whole. I have to do something. And that it came much too late. I realized all this much too late. So it was a direct struggle. And although now i can say our communication is better our intimacy is better our sexual interactions are better i wish it hadn't gone this way <laughs> yeah yeah right i mean in hindsight you go why didn't i
0: like realize this 2 years earlier the the thing about intimacy is so important and oftentimes like you say like sex stops or decreases or our because this is also so true for so many women our the type of sex we need changes right and so as a mother to a newborn and maybe you have you're still you know healing and rehabilitating after birth and you're breastfeeding and your body's feeling different looking different you might not want the kinky bunny sex right or you might not want the very hot raw passionate sex maybe and maybe you're overwhelmed and fatigued by giving and breastfeeding basically 24 hours a day maybe you just want to like lie still and have your partner eat your pussy for 20 minutes and yes that's it right yes. so a lot of the times also this is so important to emphasize and when we're talking about this is sometimes women stop having sex not because they don't want sex but because they're not having the sex they actually want and so then it's like I'd rather not have sex at all or have sex that I don't want and so because couples don't talk about sex and don't understand the different flavors of sex and how our sexual like needs and personality can change depending on what life stage we're in things just kind of like like you say it just kind of disappears and then the, the partner doesn't want to push because these days men are taught to respect women right and don't push and don't coerce which is great but they kind of like I I love how you said it they wither away in, in just being forever patient and they have they have not just a need to fuck right we're not gonna minimize them or reduce them into like some some caveman sexuality like the penis you know like dickhead mentality but it's like a need for intimacy a need to be seen a need to be craved a need to be desired like all of those human needs right when we derive one partner from that they suffer so it's so important also when you're in that stage to look at what type of sex could i consider having do i feel confident and autonomous even to speak that out loud to speak that desire Right. And to mention that and say, hey, babe, like I don't want to have penetration or I don't want to have a sex we used to have, but I want to have some kind of sex. Can we experiment and see what works out? And with intimacy to the Gottman Institute, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yes. But like, eight yeah. dates. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yes. And if
0: anyone who's not familiar with the Gottman's institution, great, great um, couples, therapists and like a whole institution, whole body of work for couples uh, thriving and relationship therapy and that kind of stuff and they talk about the importance of intimacy what makes a couple last and what makes a relationship last and also what supports sexuality and desire over the long long run it's like basic things kissing (laughs) daily kissing yes extended hugs gentle touch like intentional gentle touch it doesn't have to be sexy or erotic it's like that intimacy and it's even more important when there's a newborn in the picture to be like hey woman you're still an adult and I'm gonna touch you and we're gonna kiss and let's pash right like pashing did you stop when did you stop why did you stop
1: yeah and I also but I also feel as touched out as so many mums so often are which I understand I get it I 100% understand we're so often not vocal about our boundaries so of course if the partner comes in and has a hug and you have mastitis in that moment and he squishes your boobs however yeah that's not going to be comfortable I might not want another hug but instead just kind of saying, honey, can you hug me around my waist? I feel like these tiny, tiny, I mean, these are the tiniest of details, but No one taught us how to have a happy relationship and having to learn all of this, or at least having, I'm so grateful for anybody who speaks their truth. For anybody that just tells me, hold that kiss five seconds longer. I promise you, you'll feel better after it. These, these tiny details, but you know, my generation, I'm 38, I'll be 39 this year. Nothing nothing, nothing, nothing. And so that's such a hard wagon to jump onto again in your relationship.
0: Absolutely. And I, lo- I love how you say that, like these tiny, tiny, tiny directions. Ow, oh, that hurts my nipples. Hug me from behind instead. And also, I think the important thing is to separate out intimacy for intimacy's sake and intimacy that leads to sex.
1: Yes. Can I say something to that? Yes, so please. We... <laughs> when I, I was, I was totally project manager. So when I... <laughs> I realized, okay, we're going to get divorced if I don't change something right now. In the first moment, we kind of grieved. We said, right, let's put this behind us. That was then. This is now. New page. Let's start anew. Then I set about it like a project manager. I was like, okay, right. uh, Whilst I'm kind of angry, I think because I'm having to do work now and I really don't want to put, become a sexual being on my to-do list next to buy nappies and go to the doctors, I'm going to have to do this, right? So I started and the very first thing we did, and it was actually, it was a bit of a, I think it was a trigger for me. Every time he hugged me, I was like, fuck, he wants sex. Clearly that's what he wants right now. And it became a reason for me not to hug. So the first thing we actually did, we took sex off the table every bodily contact was not allowed to end in sex. And yes. by doing so, I felt safe again. And yes. it helped me to then explore my body again, like you said, to find out what I needed. And it turns out I needed a lot of hugs, um, <laughs> which was yeah. crazy, but it was his love language is physical touch. Uh, I need words, but his is physical touch. And all of a sudden I realized, I also need, I needed something big to spoon me and not something I was spooning. And that was such an incredible realization.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's profound.
0: And a lot of women experience that fear. It's almost like an immediate trigger. Like, oh my God, is this going to lead to sex? I'm not ready. I don't want it. I'm going to fail. What's expected of me? So they move away from any kind of intimacy because the, they, they, they fear that it will have a reaction that will lead to an expectation, that will lead to disappointment, that will lead to a conflict.
1: Exactly. So
0: sometimes with clients, I give them that homework that sex is off the table for 60 days or 90 days completely nothing will lead to sex kissing hugging even naked like cuddles anything even if there are erections even if your pussy gets wet no sex nothing exactly sex Sex is forbidden and in that realm and in that spaciousness just like you say you're allowed to find again a sense of safety with being intimate with your partner without feeling like it's always related to you having to be sexual and when you've been shut down sexually for a long time and there is obviously there's a rupture in your sexual relationship with yourself then you can start heal that and feel like you don't have to rush into anything that you're not ready for but intimacy doesn't have to suffer and so exactly that is so 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 important and then yeah. little by little, you'll start understanding that because these things, you know, then these, there are so many nuances. And that's the beauty of human relationships. That's the beauty of being a human. We're so complex, right? Mind, body, spirit, oh, yes. pussy, all of the things. But, and sometimes we need to make it simple so that we can land in things and really integrate. And it sounded like you needed a lot of physical intimacy and integration
1: after yeah. a long
0: period without.
1: Yes. And because you said pussy, I think. What helped me the most is being selfish and saying, you know what, because for me it was an overhaul of everything, actually. I'd got so sucked into motherhood, I'd forgotten who I was. And I read a lot of Esther Perel and this idea of uh, the mother cannot be sexual, that resonated in me so strongly because... I was 24 seven mother and finding a space that was going for a walk for an hour, meeting a friend for a coffee. I'd neglected all those parts of my life as well. And finding myself, Eagor then also finding back to my pussy was unbelievable. And I had a conversation with my husband where I said, you know what? I just pleasured myself. For the first time since having kids, I feel like I should get a trophy. I <laughs> yeah. feel like we should celebrate. Let's go for brunch. I don't know, but I've actually I've touched her again. You know, since two things came out of there, and yeah. But uh, so I always say as well. I have so many friends who will be like, "Oh yeah, you know, sex. We just have it, and you know, it's fine." And and I'm like, but but why is it just fine? Why? Why aren't you having a relationship with yourself? Why aren't you making it more than fine? Why it gets so lost? And so that first contact to myself made everything easier.
0: Yeah. And what you talk about, you know, going out with friends and going for a walk, what's at the core of that is you actually uh, acknowledging a desire and following through on it. And so pleasure outside the bedroom has a direct effect on pleasure inside the bedroom and you as a woman and having like giving yourself permission to do things that make you feel good also has a direct effect on feeling like I can you know pleasure outside the bedroom pleasure inside the bedroom yes Um, so that is so key and um and it's a balance right it it, I mean it's an ongoing uh, conflict slash balance between uh personal needs and the kind of and the sacrifices that you do for for motherhood and for your kids, um, but it, it and there are some a few years when when the pendulum is pretty like pretty heavily swung to like kids side, but it can't be one hundred percent. There's got to be a ten percent, like ten percent Lisa, ten percent Erica, yeah, ten percent the 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 individual, because that will feed. That sense of integrity and that sense of I have a desire, I have a need, I exist. And that positively impacts your your sexuality. And so you can always use that as a as a (laughs) as a motivator for when you're negotiating with your partner. Take the kids. I'm not promise you sex later, but I promise you I'll be a happier woman and a happy woman, happy pussy, happy wife, happy, you know, like it, I mean it all, it's all connected.
1: Completely, completely. Like also just asking your partner to go out in the evening so you can have some me time and watch something, read something and get it on with yourself. Uh, But that's also I find so much shame around masturbation, uh, particularly for women. Just men, it's normal and there are penises drawn everywhere. And what happened to women? Why is it not so normal for masturbation? to be said out loud for women and we integrate it you know if my husband goes out and he comes back in the evening i'll say so i watched this video tonight right and and most of the time he'll be like oh cool so what did you use did you use a toy what did you do what did you and it's magic just talking out loud is magic and yeah. it gets lost it's all part of our communication but it gets lost so often yeah. I, I encourage all mums to say all these things out loud 100 <laughs> percent. okay
0: so you had to overcome this like princess
1: idea <laughs> yeah,
0: about yourself that no one's gonna magically solve this for you and you have to get you know get off your ass and do something about it and you're actually responsible for your own sexuality and so you you came to terms with that and so you mentioned uh intimacy starting to do things again that made you that gave you pleasure and so when did this fantasy piece come in tell us about that
1: so we had a very frivolous relationship before children i worked in a fetish shop Mm. and i was out and about in all scenes and every scene and i'm A curious person, I think we so often forget to be curious and we teach our children and we, you know, we compliment them and say, oh, I think it's so great that you're so interested in all these things. And I feel as adults, we get into such a rubbish routine and we stop wanting to learn new things. So I've always been a very curious person. And I realized after becoming a mum that I wasn't anymore. And this whole fetish scene had given me so many pictures in my mind that I found very interesting. And I'd had all my own fantasies and we'd acted upon them. And I realized as a mum, I wasn't curious anymore. I didn't have space in my brain anymore to be curious. And I thought, well, this is just how it's meant to be now. My brain is full. I have all these lists. And, and again, the lists. The, the, oh my God. I the, Yeah, I've stopped doing it. <laughs> I've stopped perfectionism. I've stopped the lists. I've, yeah. I've stopped doing it. I just, I can't anymore. I am literally in um, in school and in the nursery. I'm always the mum that turns up last minute to any event and goes, I bought these things in a bakery and uh, I'm not sorry about it, but I'm here and I forgot, but I'm here. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I, I just can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I buy cakes too. I don't bake. i I'm like, right? I'm, no. I don't have.
1: no I don't have the capacities but so I I realized I used to feed my brain with books Mm. it was what I did books filled my head with it's such an escapism tool for me and I remembered this wonderful time where we had such a great relationship we went to these clubs and we tried all these things and it was so great and I said could I because I am a smart mother combine these two things on my hypothetical list and feed my brain with sexy things. So all these memories from the fetish shop, they were already a bit blurry. And I thought, you know, I could read about other people's stories. I don't have to go to a club. I can read about these things. And so I started exploring erotica as a tool for me to ignite my um, cognitive arousal. So my brain is stimulated and I needed that arousal and what a perfect way to find it with literature so I looked and I searched and I read and funnily enough for me two or three years ago I couldn't find the lactating mum I couldn't find the woman that doesn't know how to orgasm they were like pornography from 30 years ago where everybody was beautiful, everybody was permanently wet, every pussy was shaved, the men were always hard, and I couldn't find myself in these stories, and I'm a very empathetic person, and it didn't work for me. And I thought, okay, now remember those fetish shops' stories. Write your own, Lisa. Just write your own. And it snowballed Mm. out of one story that I, the following day, read to my husband, and he was like, hello. Where did this come from? And I'm like, believe it or not, in my brain, there is still a little bit of spice, okay? I need to make it bigger now. And it snowballed. And so last year, I published it with over 30 stories. I've got menstruation sex. I've got the lactating mum. I've got the woman that doesn't orgasm. I've got the man that doesn't orgasm. I've got the story that says, who cares if somebody orgasms? All these things. And I just... It's just become my mission to write these things down, and it's a struggle because it's instantly pornography, the amount of rejections I get. The genre is so difficult, but it has given me a lifeline. Like you said, it was my therapy. Um, I don't journal, but this is my version, I guess. Yeah. It just it catapulted my sexuality in a whole new space, and our relationship has profited so immensely from it. Yeah. Hooray.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> excited. I'm happy for you. And two things that you mentioned that I think is so important. When you said when I became a mom, I lost my curiosity. That's so huge, right? Because If that's a core piece of your personality, which it sounds like it was, and then you lost that or you started down prioritizing it, and it's okay. You know, we have to, like, again, we have to sacrifice certain parts of us during certain phases. But if that is sacrificed forever, you're going to be a bitter, bitter person, right? Bitter person, bitter woman, bitter mom unhappy kids and like you said divorce like it's we have to look at these things as like some things are just what is crucial for your well-being and for you like curiosity for someone else maybe it's like physical exercise or movement or like pain I, I mean it's so it's so individual, but you lost that curiosity. And I guess a part of you felt like you had to, you had to give it up in order to be a mother. Like it wasn't part of the, it's not part of the role description, like part of, not part of the contract. Yeah.
1: I feel like so many moms give up parts of themselves though. It's a bitter pill to swallow because I see my friends who have gone back into jobs because they've had to, I get that. But then, they sacrifice other parts hobbies um because Mm. they they think it's better for the family and of course being a mum, i i don't know how you feel but being a mum, it's a lot and we do have to give up certain things but to sacrifice core elements of our personality that's detrimental to everybody involved exactly
0: exactly so you might have to like uh decrease whether it's like yeah you're you're Like if you were a CrossFitter, let's say, you can't go every night of the week, but can you go once a week or at least go to that retreat once a year? Like, you know, and say like, this is me time and everybody get the fuck out of my sight.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And but sometimes it's even really stupid stuff. It's like, for me, housework. Right. I'm going completely in a different direction. But for us, sitting down as a family and saying, all right, kiddo, right, you're six, you're going to help. You're going to put your plate away or saying, okay, I do not want to be responsible for the kitchen in the morning. That's your job. Delegating, um, yeah. changing habits and routines because we so easily fall into a routine because the children are small and they're all over the place and you're trying desperately to cling on to some sort of routine. And how yeah. often it falls into, okay, so in the morning, the mother does this and in the evening, the Mother does this changing all those routines uh, to yeah. make life work as a family is also essential. Um, they don't teach you that, you know. Here in Germany, you have Wochenbett, so for two weeks, I think, after you've given birth, you have a midwife come to you to check your well-being. At the end of the day, they check stitches, they check um, your breasts if you're breastfeeding, they check the baby, etc. How I wish they had checked me emotionally Mm. and where the journey is going to take me there are so many things that lack for mothers still uh, and that are only sort of brought out much later on down the line
0: yeah absolutely and something um that is very very important that you talk about is delegating and i've learned this specifically from alice and armstrong and if you're not familiar with alice and armstrong check her out because she's amazing she teaches um she teaches knowledge and like how to <laughs> how to uh, understand men and understand women differences in men and women and how um, we should do love do relationships when we're um, in male female relationships she's amazing her work is amazing and she talks about um, how women naturally assume responsibility for everything and then how it makes us bitter (laughs) and and unhappy (laughs) and we assume responsibility for things that isn't necessarily our responsibility we just do it she says like it's the gathering mentality because we're gatherers right men are hunters women are gatherers so we'll just gather responsibility and we internalize everything as well we internalize everyone's emotions we just gather we just collect shit responsibility (laughs) emotions everyone's thoughts gossip like it's all like this and so that's why sometimes we need to explode to you know cleanse and purge and release uh and reset but she says it's so 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 important if you want to have a um a happy and successful relationship with a man that you stop assume responsibility for everything because one it also emasculate men right um yeah. and belittle them and it's it's quite rude and also it absolutely breaks you right because not everything should be your responsibility nor is it and so maybe at a certain time it was and it made more sense for you to look at that but so continuous evaluation of like what what needs to be delegated and 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 also catching yourself and checking yourself like hang on a minute, here I go again. And that is absolutely not mine. I'll give it back. Right. And that includes kids as well, like
1: delegating to kids. So important. So also, also I think that aspect of letting go, you say, is what like also just giving and trusting and just saying, if they do it, they do it. If they don't, then they'll have to deal with those repercussions. But I've also realized it also, all this delegating, it also plays into our sexuality because it's so much easier to say, oh, honey, you tidied the kitchen this evening. That's awesome. Fancy a blowjob. It it links, you know, I've had, 20 minutes to myself I've been able to delve into my little garden of lust and feel inspired or touch myself or whatever and we profit from each other um yeah but absolutely what you say I mean we gather everything in ourselves <laughs>
0: yeah 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 and um at a certain point my husband and I had this game where we had like relationship currency so we would pay each other and like uh, fuck coins or like we also named like we had a I can't remember what we called our currency we gave it a funny name and so we were like in a jokingly and funny like flirtatious and just like a like friendly way like how much does this cost I'll pay you 100,000 of these like our relationship yeah. coins if you do this or if you do this or if you come to my parents house this tonight I know you don't want to but it it will mean a lot or if I can go to the opera tonight I'll you know and then you could and then we like kept track and it was and when we forgot about it and we haven't done it in a while but it was a fun it was a game yeah. and so we can bring those kinds of fun things into relationships but it would it just reminded me of that when you said we can profit from each other and we can we we need to use each other in that way and and absolutely letting go of control of everything um is so key another thing that you mentioned is cognitive arousal. So this is so, so, so key. Do you want to expand on that a little bit?
1: Yes. So I went into a rabbit hole of research when I figured I was becoming asexual and I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to be. And I'd never really assessed how I Was aroused, how I got aroused, uh, it just kind of happened. And so I was sat in front of a computer at the end of the day, Googling what to do if you don't want to have sex anymore. And, you know, I went to doctors and I, I had myself checked physically and everything was fine. But, you know, obviously I didn't want to have sex and cognitive arousal, arousing the brain. I can be naked with my husband and I'll still be hesitant. It's got nothing to do with him. It's got nothing to do with me. It doesn't mean I don't love him. I don't fancy him. I don't find him arousing. But I need to go into my own brain or watch something or read something to light that fire. But as soon as I have that first spark... I'm game. So, you know, we might watch porn before we might read something. That was always sort of the, hey, can I read you my new story? And that wouldn't normally end in sex because for me, all those images in my brain were already working. And I guess it took a while. I always say like a garden of lust in my brain. So I had to plant all these flowers again. And it took a while until I could really profit from this garden. But now that I have made space, deleted some unnecessary lists in my brain. (laughs) Like took out the weed. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's like I can access that easier. I so often especially like pornography people are like oh my god and I can't watch pornography and I'm like oh god shut the fuck up
0: you never watch that you never watch the minute of porn you don't get to say exactly or you watch really bad porn so that as well that as
1: well main page on Pornhub does not count exactly yeah so I yeah it 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 was a revelation for me it was such a game changer to realize that my brain needed stimulation and also communicating that with my husband and maybe we'd be sat eating uh dinner time also you know my time when I'm most likely to be ar- aroused was very important I'm more of yes. a morning sex type super of super important right my husband's more of a evening time but since having kids he's I'll take it when I get it (laughs) (laughs) right and there's usually one partner
0: who's more flexible and that's also something that's really important so the one who has the more sensitive like or like time sensitive wind like the window window yeah right they get to more like decide when sex happens and if that's weekends and it's morning time so you ask your parents to take the kids to the playground doesn't have to be all day doesn't have to be overnight it's like all right mom i'll drop the kids off at seven thirty a.m i'll pick them up at noon great go home fuck yes
1: and you know and that was actually it was terrifying because this idea of having a, a date yeah. to fuck was terrifying and again the project manager in me screamed let us break this down into aims and objectives um <laughs> i had to Plan ahead. So for me, it was so looming to know okay someone's picking my kids up on this day and then we're gonna have sex it was like that trigger all over again and I said um, we need to build up to it so yeah. also for me it was so important because my brain liked it so much to be stimulated a whole week beforehand our foreplay began so yeah. it started with send me sexy messages uh, grab my ass whilst the kids aren't looking all these tiny tiny steps because How often I hear, oh, okay, it's Friday night and he's going to want to have sex again. And so, you know, and then. So (laughs)
0: important. Yeah. Esther Perel, whom you mentioned before, she says, foreplay begins when sex ends. (laughs) Exactly. So you have to, like, if you think about it that way, it's like it includes breakfast. looking at each other and what we talked about intimacy a kiss on the neck and maybe like an extended exhale into an ear with that intention it's texting it's all of those things that you would do in a newly like a newly established relationship right because you haven't become complacent and stopped making an effort it's maybe like going shopping for lingerie right it's also self like you also need to self seduce yourself right and yes you understood the importance of cognitive arousal and i talk about this so much both in pleasure and in arousal your brain is your biggest erogenous zone it's where desire happens it's where pleasure happens anyone knows like you said you can be naked you can be standing in front of the sexiest people you can be you can have a vibrator and literally burn off your clitoris with a vibrator if your brain is not online if it's not switched on if it's not in sex mode nothing's gonna happen nothing's Mm -hmm. gonna happen you're gonna have a physically disconnected disembodied experience and so it's so important to realize the incredible power and and potency of brain and thoughts and all of that and the brain doesn't know a difference between imagination and reality that's why I, I used to do face painting for kids and when they saw themselves in the mirror after you put a tiger on their face it's like immediate transformation they are a tiger right they become a lion or whatever it is and so you need to become your erotic self you need to step into that mindset and you notice the shift because you're there's a part of your brain that that's down, especially in women. So we're we're a little bit um, more challenged in this realm than men. So there is scientific research that shows that there's a part of the brain that signals for danger, like that is constantly, you know, our senses and our entire like subconscious and nervous system are constantly making sure that we are safe, constantly assessing the environment. Am I safe? Is there a threat? And so when it comes to sexuality, that part of the brain, especially in females, need to shut off. And that is so connected to shame, negative consequences, slut shaming, ideas about if I do this, will I become a disrespectful like mother? Like is this is, like the Madonna whore complex? Like mm-hmm. those things, right? And so that part of your brain needs to shut down, and the part that is project managing, right? Because you can't project manage um, sex because it's a thing of the it's a thing of the flesh. It's a thing of being embodied. And so 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 many women. Don't understand the power of the brain, and men do it kind of. They they do it differently. Um, I think it's it has to do with conditioning, absolutely, and how they are conditioned to uh, feel like they can take sex and want sex. It's changing in in the new in the younger generations for sure, um, but they you know my partner used to tell me he's like but erica you need to think well when are you thinking about sex who did you want to fuck today in the street like who did you look at that you want to fuck and i'm like what do you mean he's like (laughs) he's like well i saw at least five people i wanted to fuck (laughs) and i was like oh i'm allowed like yeah oh i can think about that
1: and
0: Mm. and then sexy thoughts and porn and And porn is a big topic for a lot of women. And I'm going to do a podcast episode about this. There's so much, there there are so many nuances to it. There's so much healing so many women have to do around it. But porn is an incredible, it can be an incredible asset. I sometimes watch porn like two minutes, three minutes. Sometimes I'll just scroll through and just look at people, naked people like, oh, people actually are having sex, right? People, this is something that people do. Even me as a sex coach, I talk about sex all day, right? yeah before I have sex, I will watch some other people having sex because it stimulates my brain to open me up into okay, I go from like normal Erica to erotic erica it's it's a it's literally a place you have to step into it's a place you go to and it's a place inside your brain that you have to go to shut down that part that assesses for threats and all of those things and shame and negative consequences, shut down higher cortical thinking planning project managing and Enter the part of your brain that is erotic, and through that, enter into embodiment.
1: What you say about switching it off, the amount of times mums ask me, but how do I switch it off? Mm -hmm. And I say, sometimes it is as simple as opening porn or reading erotica. Because I found the only problem I had with porn so often was that I couldn't find something I wanted to watch. (laughs) now I know better now I know the good porn sites to go to yes yes and there
0: are plenty
1: of them (laughs) there are plenty absolutely but that whole switching off idea that seems to be such a recurrent theme and realizing that I just needed a tool I just needed an aid all I needed was it's like Pablo's dogs right I mean we see this we know that this is
0: true We know that um, big box box like boxing champions and UFC fighters and they have a song uh, athletes have a ritual a physical or a mental ritual people have mantras people wear a certain suit or a ring To I mean there's a symbolic, a symbolic meaning and a symbolism to these things so it can also be that you you know light a candle or a certain incense but you need to you need to instill and infuse a meaning into it with porn it's self-explanatory and it's very visual and it's very it's very in your face or with a erotic story but they can also be a non a non-sexual thing that helps you switch into okay i'm taking off my mother costume like my uniform and i am stepping into my own skin it can be dancing and stroking your body for 5 minutes and that candle or and just trying to like become 5% more entering that state 5% more it's like like you said it it requires conscious and persistent effort because that part of your brain needs to grow it's like learning a new language and your brain will be a bit slow but there is I mean neuroplasticity is well established right we know that the brain can shift and transform and can learn and new brain cells can be created and you can shape your brain and your mentality in very very powerful very 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 effectively but you gotta do it i mean it's not gonna happen by itself
1: Exactly, that is why these conversations are so important because no matter when I do quite a few readings of my book, uh, I love to perform my stories. It adds such an extra element. I studied theater, so I really do perform them, not physically, but I do. I I bring it across. And the amount of times people will say, you know, I just needed that jolt. I needed you to tell me. If I don't get up off my ass, if I don't change something, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah. So the amount of times people just need to hear, listen, your partner doesn't belong to you. Like Esther Perel said, you're going to lose them if you don't change something. If you don't want to change something, go ahead. But, you know, those repercussions, they'll happen. And influencing our brains, I've actually found to be really Exciting. I mean, it's led me down a completely new path. And I feel also, like you said, with pornography or whatever you need, I actually, I gave my erotic self a name. Um, I call her Mrs. Lisa O. That's my erotic persona. And my mm. husband knows when I get that look that Mrs. Lisa O has entered the building. So, you know, that's that's also a wonderful place to share with your partner. And these fantasies that we can create with our brains if we want to, if we then also share them with our partners, we've done so much for our brains, yeah. for our sexuality, for our relationship. And I love that. And I love the actual science behind it sort of and knowing that but so many people need that nudge
0: yeah (laughs) with a wink wink (laughs) and the and the women need to hear you know I have mostly female listeners you you need to know that like that it's your responsibility and that it's something that you can do should inspire you to feel proud and enthusiastic and empowered, autonomous, right? And sovereign in your sexuality instead of, you know, because it's so easy to blame our partners for everything. And, you know, he doesn't this, he doesn't that. And sure, they are part of your, your, erotic and sexual experience and what they do matters. And again, like we talked about previous in our conversation, it's so important to give directions and set your partner up to be able to be successful with you, right? And only you can do that. And when it comes to these things, I think women, I I know women believe that there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. And you have so elegantly and so uh, profoundly shared just how much of that is not true and what a myth that is a misconception I'm really 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 grateful that we got to have this conversation I'm grateful that you that you woke up and (laughs) you had a sexual reawakening and revival and that you've done this work and that you're doing this work and that you're part of this like yeah almost like a second wave revolution and female sexual empowerment and revolution so thank you lisa thank you
1: erica and thank you so much for everything you do i joined the last sessions it's your energy is truly inspiring and everything you're doing it's hard being at the forefront of a revolution but you're doing a fucking fantastic job thank you so thank you (laughs) thank you so much
0: Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.